Amen. We're going to start with just a, a silly, corny, epic, over-the-top video for moms. Come on, we have to do that on Mother's Day, right? So I want to show you this. It's only like a minute long. You can check it out. Make sure you get it nice and loud. We're going to feel like we're at the movie theater. You check these, this out, moms. This is how we feel about you. Get those lights in the back for me, too, if you can. This spring, Mr. Bailey, get those look at those lights. Only one hero can save her family and prevent disaster. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy. Dig deep. A lot of fun. And pure genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. Come on. <laughs> a little corny, corny over the top epic trailer. Amen. Awesome. Hey, we're so glad you're here. And we do want to celebrate moms today. I, I looked up uh, the joy of motherhood. And this is the best definition I found for you moms. Maybe you can identify with this. It says, the joy of motherhood is this. It's what a woman experiences when all of her children are finally in bed. Is that true, moms? That's the joy of motherhood, when all the kids are finally in bed or out of the house. That's true. I read another story about a young lady, um, well, she wasn't young so much anymore, but she met up with an old college friend, and they were talking about life and children, and she said, remember when we were in college? And the girl said, yeah. And she said, remember when I told you I had three theories about raising children? And the girl said, yeah, I remember that. And she says, well, now I have three children and no theories. Anybody feel that way? Moms? I know my wife feels that way because God in his loving grace gave us two completely opposite children. Yeah, he did. Lainey was as easy as pie. We could go all over the world with her, throw in her backpack and she was fine. And this one is just ready for to just go for it all the time, aren't you? I'm not going to declare that, that HM statement over her. But she is totally different and... and you throw, she's a trailblazer. She's a pioneer. We'll just say that much. And uh, you can throw the, the book out the window. You thought you wrote the book on the first one. And we're looking for the new book. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the next edition. I, uh, I, I'm going to get to some scripture here. So you can turn to John chapter 2. I thought this was a cute story. There was a, uh, <laughs> there was a, 
a drill, I'm sorry, there was a, a guy that was walking down the beach in California. This is for you guys. The rest of today's sermon is going to be all about moms and how wonderful they are and how much better they are than us. Okay, guys? But this one's for you. I'm going to throw you a bone, okay? Any, any, of my, any men say that's good? Is that all right? So listen, so there's a man walking down the beach and, uh, and he finds this beautiful genie and, uh, or this uh, lamp and he rubs it and this beautiful genie comes out and the genie says, man, there must be a lot of people on this beach because I'm popping out of here all the time and they just want stuff. And he says, you're not getting three wishes. I'm going to give you one. And so the guy says, all right, well, I've always wanted to visit Hawaii. And he says, but I'm afraid to fly. And he says, is there any way you can just build a bridge from here to Hawaii and, uh, so that I can drive to Hawaii instead of flying so I could finally fulfill this lifelong dream? And so uh, the genie says, well, I, I, it's pretty much impossible. He said, there's no way to be able to build a bridge and to be able to secure it that deep in the Pacific Ocean. He said, it's impossible. The, the, um, the engineering is impossible to figure out. There's no way to do it. And he says, I'm sorry, you're going to have to give me something else. And the guy says, well, listen, I, I'm single and I've been dating lately. And he says, I only go on one date and the girl doesn't want to date with me anymore because they, they keep on telling me I'm insensitive and that I don't understand them. And so he says, is there any way you can help me understand women? And the genie looked down, exasperated, and said, do you, do you want that highway two lanes or four? <laughs> Gentlemen, that's for you, okay? You're welcome. <laughs> You're just trying to keep us off our game. That We know, we know. But, you know, I was thinking about moms, and I was thinking, you know, a mom can be caring and sensitive when she's holding her newborn and singing Brahms' lullaby. She can be loud and demonstrative when she's, she's uh, calling for the kids to come eat supper for the ninth time. She can be loud and demonstrative with her voice when she's at a, a football game with her kids or basketball or soccer, and she's on the sideline cheering. I don't know. I've seen some moms really go for it at those games. You know what I mean? You'd think it was the World Series, Right. And uh, moms can do that. Moms are also tough as nails. They're just different kind of tough. Any, any moms in here tough as nails? It's all right. You can say it. Anyone else? Anyone have a mom that's tough as nails? <laughs> I do. My mom's tough when she needs to be. I was thinking about this, actually. I, I, I'm going to tell you this story. Most of you have never heard this before, but I, um, I'm not proud of this, but I'm the only minor sibling that's ever had handcuffs put on me. And they weren't like the cowboy and Indian ones that you used to play with when you were kids. The plastic ones, you just hit the little notch and they come off. And so I decided to be wise, a friend, me and a friend of mine, to start stealing stuff from Walmart and then selling it to make a profit. My dad couldn't figure out for about a good length of time why I never came and asked him for money. So after I finally got caught and got thrown, I'm going to tell you about a mom... I got, maybe you can identify with this, I finally got caught. Um, they took me to juvenile detention for a whopping four hours. So those of you who've been incarcerated, I am also an extremely hardened criminal, okay? <laughs> Even though I was alone in just the holding area, it was still very hard, okay? I didn't have food or water for four hours. You know what that's like? <laughs> I made up. Or shoelaces, yeah. So they called, it was funny because I was in the car and or in the guy in the cop's car on the way there and I'm trying to talk, if you know anything about me, I can talk myself out of anything, anything. 
I was trying to talk my way out of it. I said, listen, officer, this is wrong. I'm never going to do it again. I'm literally talking to him like we're buddies. I said, listen, I will do whatever you need me to do. I don't care what it is. You can do anything to me or have me do anything. Do not call my parents. I don't care. I said, I will clean your car for six months if I have to. Do not call my parents. He said, well, son, I don't really have control over that. We're taking you to juvenile detention. They're the ones that are going to process you. I said, well, tell them. I know you can pull strings. Do not call my parents. I said, you don't understand. If I go home, they're going, my dad will kill me. He'll kill me. Because he told me, if you ever get arrested, I'll kill you. I mean, I know. I'm not guessing. So, we, so I finally make it home. And, uh, sorry, I, I finally, my dad finally makes it to juvenile. Uh, they called him, of course, and he gets there by himself, and he comes in, and he's got this smile on his face, like the kind of smile you have when you've taken one too many Percocets, you know what I mean? It's an uneasy smile. You know, you're like, something's wrong with that smile. And, yeah, and... And he comes in and he, and, he, and he sits down with me and the, the gentleman that was running that part of the juvenile and they're going over, I'm going to go to teen court and have to do all this community service and blah, 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 and I won't have a record and yada, yada, yada. And so, because of my first offense, and my dad's sitting down, he's rubbing my back and he's saying, he's saying, oh yeah, it's going to be, okay. yeah, it's fine. I'm thinking to myself, this guy never rubs my back. What's going on here? And so he's just putting his arm around me and, oh, yes. And the guy says, you know, we've been talking to your son. He's smart. He's respectful. He's a nice kid. We really don't think he's ever going to do this again. Uh, you, have, you don't have anything to worry about, Dad. And Dad goes, oh, no, he is a nice kid. Oh, he's never going to do this again. <laughs> I'm like, what is? And so after a while, I got to think to myself, I think I'm going to make it through without getting whooped. I think I'm going to make it through. I mean, this, he's pulling it off, smiling and the whole deal and patting and rubbing. And, and the guy says, well, that's great, you know. So finally they discharge me and do the paperwork and I walk, it was like a, like a portable building almost. We walk down the little ramp out of there and we get, we get to the bottom of the ramp and my dad opens up a can of butt whooping. I thought there were five people around me. I got hit from every side. I was just like this. He whooped me, okay? Whooped me good. Now, he says, I can't verify this, but he says, as he was whooping me, he looked up, and the guy that had discharged me was looking out the little window that was about this big, going like this. Still don't, remains to be proven, but... So, so, you know, I endured that, and that was fine. We get in the truck together, and about halfway home, because we're all up in Manatee County, about halfway home here to Sarasota, I mean, we're kind of laughing, and he's saying, don't ever do that again, or I will kill you. And I said, I believe you. And he says, but when you get home, you're going to have to face your mother. Now, I don't know if I said it, but I was thinking to myself, whoop me again. Just whoop me again. Whoop me ten times. Just don't let me have to tell mom. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but I remember getting home and we sat there and mom was tough in a different way. She had a way of like going right at you. That was different than the whooping dad would give you. And mom sat down with me and I remember sitting across, she was on the other couch and she was in the corner. And as I began to tell her, she put her hand on her face and began to cry. And I was like, mom, I'm sorry. I know you're angry. I know you're upset. 
She said, I'm not angry. I was like, you're not? She said, I'm hurt. <laughs> and buddy, I would have taken 10 whoopings to avoid my mom looking across at me, knowing that I was the sole source of her crying and being hurt. Moms have this thing that's different. We, they carry something different than we do as fathers. And every single mom or grandma in here, you carry something different. And that's kind of what I want to explore today through this scripture is what is it that makes you unique and what is it that God has given you and why he's given it to you and how you can use it, not just to raise your children, but to advance the kingdom of God. And so we're going to jump into John chapter two. This is the wedding at Cana. We're going to look at a couple different examples here. Oh, about uh, two months ago or a month and a half ago, uh, maybe two months ago, my, my daughter, both my daughters ended up getting a stomach virus and, and my Madeline was, was throwing up and doing other things of the liquid form, if you know what I mean, and uh, all the time. And my wife got thrown up on, she got diarrhea on, she got the whole kit and caboodle and I came home. Uh, from work one day and you could smell the throw up and you could smell the other stuff. And I thought to myself, this is the aroma of motherhood. <laughs> this is it. This is the reality in the aroma of motherhood that, that sometimes we never understand. And so uh, I want to read this and this is maybe, uh, this will speak to your heart. John chapter two, um, verse one. We're going to start there. On the third day was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with us? Now, I am all about following the example of Jesus, except for this case. Today, when you leave here, if you say to your mom, mom, where do you want to go to eat? And she says, out back. Don't say, woman, we're going to go where I say we're going to go. I love all the examples Jesus gave us in the Bible, but this one we might just, you know, maybe not pursue. I'm sure it got translated differently, but he said, woman, what does this have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And so we've talked about it, and I've preached on this before. My dad's preached on this, about his hour not, had not yet come. But I love the response from his mother because his mother does not, never addresses the fact that her son has basically said no. There's something about you moms, when you hear no, you hear Maybe. Or probably. You don't hear no. And so he, she doesn't even address the fact that he says, uh, my hour has not yet come, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ready to do this. And so she actually says, she says to his servants, she doesn't even address him, but she says to the servants, not his servants, but the servants there at the wedding, she says, whatever he says to you, do it. And so we know the story. There were six stone water pots, and he took the water and turned it into wine. The wine ended up being, of course, better than the wine that they were serving before. And they talked about how the master usually serves the best wine first. And in this case, you've served, saved the best for last. And all of that 
we've learned from the story. But I, I want to extract a couple things for, for moms today. And, and the first one is really an encouragement and kind of a declaration over what God's put inside of you. And the second thing I want to kind of extract from this story is something that I want to give you some practical wisdom that I believe the Word of God is showing us for, for how you can raise your children and how you can bless those around you. And so the first one is a word of encouragement. I want to speak to what God has put inside of you as mothers and grandmothers. And all of us can take this advice, but I think there's something special that God put inside of moms and of grandmoms and those that are in a motherly role. You don't necessarily have to be the biological mother, but I, I said in the first service, my sister is, has uh, kind of mothers at times, um, her, her nieces and nephews, and maybe you're in that situation. You don't have biological children, but she uh, has them spend the night and treats them like her own and loves them and, and uh, Leah's kids and uh, my kids and, and of course, uh, Jim and... Um, Jim, John and Kim's kids. And so she treats, so you might be in that type of role, but there's something special that God's put in the heart of those that are called to mother. And it's this, it's the ability, I want to make this so clear today, it is the ability to literally expedite through a request what heaven has to bring to earth. Now I want you to think about this. Because Jesus was not ready to step into this place of miracles, it was his mother that really was the one that called forth and brought here to the present what was supposed to happen in the future. And what I want to tell you today is that God's given you, moms and grandmothers, the ability to pray and to intercede and pull forward here into the present now what's supposed to or could have, should have, would have happened in the future. And some things will never happen without your prayers. There's something unique about the prayers and the desires of a mother's heart. There's something unique about it. And God's given you a special anointing and a special gift that shouldn't be discounted because you're a mom. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. You shouldn't be discounted for what God's put inside of you because the reality is God's actually given you a special gift that most men don't carry. And that's the ability to not hear the word no. Let me give you a for instance with my own mother. When me and my wife, uh, about now it would be about five years ago, um, we had built a house and the house went down, the neighborhood kind of went downhill a little bit and, and the neighbors that moved on either side were renters and they were partying all night to like two and three in the morning and loud music. And we wake up in the morning, there'd be 150 beer bottles scattered all over the yard. And it was crazy craziness. And, uh, and my wife got propositioned a couple times pulling into our driveway for drugs and it was all this kind of stuff. And, and so, you know, it's, it, we, we were content in it. My wife and I decided, hey, we're fine. We're content. We're going to live here. My parents, being that, that they care and love our family and our children, they said, we don't want you to be there anymore. We don't want your daughter to be able to play outside and you not have to worry. And I was traveling a lot at the time and uh, doing a lot of work overseas. And, and, and my, my wife was by herself. And, and they didn't want her to be there by herself in, in their neighborhood with nobody there. And so my mom said, my mom specifically said, she said, you know, your dad and I want you to get out of that house. And I said, okay. I said, well, mom, it's impossible. We're $60,000 upside down in the house. We don't make enough money to get a second loan. We're stuck here. We're here. And plus we're content. And my mom said, well, I know you're content, but you need to get out of that house. God has something better for you. 
And I said, well, that's fine, but I'm just telling you the reality is we can't get out of our house. We're $60,000 upside down on it. If we sold it, we'd have to come to the table with a $60,000 check, and I don't think we had a $60 check. And I said, we're stuck. Nobody's going to give us a loan. And so she said, well, I'm going to pray. Now, before I finish the story, I want to tell you this right now. Those are some of the most powerful words that the earth has ever heard. <laughs> when the mama says, I'm going to pray. And if you don't think that God hears your prayers, you are sadly mistaken. Because moms, grandmas, some of the ladies that are here today, you can shake heaven with what you pray. Are you with me? And so uh, about two or three weeks later, we're here at the church and a, and a gentleman walks in the door in the back, uh, back there here in the front lobby. He says to the, I think it was Laura at the time who was there in the office. And he said, um, is Pastor Minor here? And he gave his name. And she said, do you have an appointment? And he said, no, but let him know that I'm here and I'd like to see him for 15 minutes. And he said, I don't even know why I'm here, but I have something I want to, to tell him. I want to give him an opportunity. And so he was a multimillionaire. They beeped up to my dad and told him who his name was. And my dad came down. The guy doesn't even, the guy actually lives 10 or 11 months out of the year in the panhandle of Florida, North Florida, in a place called Penny Farms. It's, you know, not even anywhere near here. And he was here in the area and he met with my dad and he says, I don't know how or why, but I just feel like, now this is a guy who was raised Catholic and not necessarily hyper-religious, he just says, I just feel like I'm supposed to sell my house in Venice to either you or somebody in your family. And my dad says, really, what house, Ray? And so he goes over with him. He said, and my dad says, well, my son, Dan, we want him to get a house. And he goes, but he can't get a mortgage. And Ray said, I didn't say anything about a mortgage. And he says, he won't have to get a mortgage because I own it outright and I'll finance it myself with no money down at 4% interest. So I won't tell you the details of the home because you'll think that I'm making too much money. But God blessed us. We basically walked into a home that we probably, before we did anything, had one hundred dollars or $200,000 in equity when we opened the door and signed the papers because he sold it to us about $200,000 under, under what he had been offered from a neighbor that heard he might be selling it. And he financed it himself at 4% interest. So my mortgage ended up being for a house that's over double the size with 8.9 acres of land and a pool and a lake and the whole deal ended up being $168 less than the house I was in. Wow. Now... None of us deserve that kind of favor. It's not about that. But mama, mama believed, a mom believes and is able to call forth things and speak to things and bring them to the present. Why? Because God's given her a special anointing to intercede and to pray. Are you with me? Don't discount that gift that God's given you, moms. And if you have something that you're contending for, if you have a child you're contending for, if you have a, a, a spouse you're contending for, if you have a situation you're contending for, don't discount the prayer in your, uh, the, the power in your voice and in your prayer. 
The second thing I want to extract from this that's interesting is that, um, are you with me here this morning? The second thing I want to extract from this is that I love her response because she jumps over the fact that Jesus obviously said, no, I can't do it. My time has not come. And she goes right to this. She says, do whatever he tells you to do to the servants. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now, the significance of the words that come out of her mouth is very, very high. We have to see what's happening here. What she says has more meaning than the value of just looking at the, the face value of the words. She says, do whatever. She's talking not just about her son, son, but she's also talking about God in flesh. And she's saying, do whatever he tells you to do. And, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me last night when I was finishing preparing this. And he wanted me to make this specific point this morning, and I'm going to do it. Moms and grandmoms and those of you that are here this morning, I want to encourage you. And dads, you can take the same advice. And if you're single, you can take the same advice. But especially those of you that are responsible for raising children or grandchildren. God wants to hear your petition, but he doesn't necessarily want to hear how you think it should be done. Are you with me? I'm going to just, I'm going to put this out here. God is not necessarily interested in how you think he should act. He wants to hear your petition and he will move heaven on your behalf. But, but once you ask him to do it, you have to have the faith and confidence. That not only has he heard you, but he's beginning to, to act on your behalf. And you need to take a step forward in faith and say, to your child, to your loved one, to the situation, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. See, when you get to that point, you, you have now taken your hands off, the hands of, of care, the hands of love, the hands of, of, of guidance, the, all the things that we do as parents and especially mothers. We, we try to hedge our children in going forward. But when you get to that point where you know that the Lord has said, I have heard you and I'm going to take care of it, you need to remove your hands from the situation and allow Jesus to take control. And those words were powerful that she said. She said, do whatever he tells you to do. And what scares us to no end as parents, and especially as moms that have a special bond with our children, what scares us to no end is the idea that Jesus might direct them to do something that isn't in our plan. But if you, listen, this is what's so beautiful. If you can learn to trust God with your little ones, with your children, with your teenagers, with your kids that are at college, with your grandchildren, whatever it might be, if you can learn to trust and say to them with a clear conscience and believing it with your whole heart, tell, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. If you can do that, not only will you see God's blessing on their life, but you will show them the greatest example of faith that they might ever see in their life. See, let me, let me connect this for you. When they're convinced that you love them, when they're convinced that you have the best, uh, best um, plans for them, when they're convinced that you care for them and that you want the best for their life and they're convinced of that, as most children are, when they know that and then they see you take what you care so much about and trust God with it, you will actually develop a pattern in your family and in your legacy where they will also begin to trust God that with things that they deeply care about. You show them from a young age that I trust God even with you. It was a less hearty amen, I understand. 
anytime we're taking our hands off the little birdies and saying, Lord, I trust you that the wind is going to come under their wings as they fly. We're like, I don't think that's what Mary meant. I think you're taking this too far. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get beat up on the way out by any ladies. <laughs> this is the greatest encouragement because this is the faith step that God's calling you to make. If you can take this step of faith forward, if you can decide that, hey, this, this that I've carried in my womb, this that I've loved, this that I've cherished, this that I've poured my life in and stayed up at night with and, and done everything to, to just love and put myself last and them first. Now after all of this, it comes down to I have to trust Jesus. And I have to look them in the face and say, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. If you're connected to him and he's asked you to do something, I believe in it. That's a hard step to take. And what's interesting is almost every great man and woman of God that's impacted the earth in a profound way, that's done something for the kingdom of God, they, they at one time or another faced a crossroads where a parent or a mother was scared to death of them taking a step forward, but they knew that God had called them to. And it took a mother releasing them into God's hands and saying, I stand behind you, even though I don't see it right now. I trust that God has you to give them that, the propulsion they needed, the encouragement they needed to have the impact that they had on the earth. And it takes that. Sometimes that's the last thing God's waiting on to actually see your child, your, your teenager, your college kid, to finally push them into their destiny. It's sometimes that's the last thing God's waiting on is for you to release them into his loving care. That's good, Dan. That's good. You're doing a great job. Wow. Just let me, let me tell you. So, I joke with the first service because y'all y'all get excited, but sometimes the first service folks look at me like I just took their pet out, their favorite pet. Sometimes. And so I said, you have to have great confidence to preach sometimes here. You have to just in your mind be telling yourself, ooh, that was good. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Because sometimes they're looking at you like, is that even a scripture? My favorite ones are this, the ones that just go flat to sleep. Now, now we got some folks that have medical conditions that cause them to do that. That's one thing. But some folks don't have an excuse. Sometimes I'll look down the aisle and some will be just like this. I say to myself, either I'm having the greatest impact on your life with these words, the Holy Spirit has zapped you right there, or I have bored you to sleep. There's nothing like that kind of encouragement firing at you from up the aisle. You think to yourself, I'm doing a great job. I've literally, and I heard that person is an insomniac and hasn't slept for weeks, and I've somehow figured out a way to put them to sleep. That's a gift. <laughs> it's got to believe it. But this, this word this morning, we could leave here, especially you moms and grandmothers, we could leave here with this, this advice that we're getting from this great story, the wedding of Canaan. We can leave here, and although it's difficult, we can be encouraged that what God's put inside of us as prayer warriors, as those that can call on heaven, and heaven will respond, and God sees and hears our voice, and then, and then learning to take that step of faith and release these things into his hands and say, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. If we could leave here today, and actually adopt this into our lifestyle. Next year, your family will look different. Your relationships will look different. Your life will look different. Amen? 
here's an interesting thing. I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to do one thing at the end that we're going to do in, in, in honor of our mothers. I'm going to invite you to, to participate in something that we really believe in. And so, uh, John 19, I'm going to close with this. This is interesting. For those of you that have heard every message under the sun, I'm getting ready to show you something you've never heard before. Are you ready for that? I'm confident in that. Here we go. And I'm not even going to tell you it's the truth. I'm going to let you figure it out on your own. You try to explain how this coincidence, quote unquote, happened to be, which I don't think it's obviously a coincidence. John 19, we're, for, we're going forward to Jesus. We're, we're in John 2, but we're going forward to Jesus being on the cross. And I'm not going to keep you here long, much longer. Just listen to this. He's on the cross, and he says, and he turns to his disciple, and he says, behold your, your mother. And he's talking about his mother. But he says, behold your mother. In other words, one of the last things that Jesus did before he left this earth is he entrusted the care of his mother to somebody. Now, you have to understand directly following this, other than him getting a sponge of sour wine, which I'm going to go over in a second, directly following him and trusting his mother to his disciple, he leaves this earth, or he dies. He says it is finished. I'm going to read it to you. Like two, two scriptures later, he says it's finished. One of the last things and points that Jesus wanted to make here on the earth is the value of his mother. Are you with me? It wasn't the value of his legacy. It wasn't the value of his sermons. It wasn't the value of the miracles he had performed. He didn't have any. The, the last parting thing that he did, according to this, this, this recollection here in John, the last thing he did that he said, other than it is finished, is he wanted to make sure that his mother was taken care of, honored, somebody was looking after her, and that she was being valued when he left the earth. Now, if that doesn't put into perspective how God values not just women, but especially mothers and grandmothers and the value that God places on their life and their opportunity and role and destiny in the kingdom of God, that one of the last things he does is make sure that his mom was being honored and loved and taken care of. Out of all the things the Savior in the, of the world could do before he said, if he took his last breath, he makes sure that his mom's taken care of. Now, I titled this sermon, and I, and I might have him put it on the internet just to get people to click on it. And I, I didn't get a chance because we kind of ran out of time with everything going on because I have other examples of this. But I actually titled this message, Was Jesus a Feminist? Silence. No one wants to touch that. But you'd click on it. Be like, what is this guy lost his mind? Now, not feminist in the distorted way that we see it today. In other words, was Jesus pro-woman? Was he pro-woman? And if you actually learn the, and see the pattern of how he honored the women in his life, you would realize that not only was he pro-women, but from, 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 from very young to, the, to when he finally left this earth, he made it a point to show the high value of women because in this culture and society at the time, women were not valued. Jesus, that's, this is one of the things he did that ticked off the Pharisees. It was the, it was the fact that he showed so much love and respect for women and valued what they had for the kingdom of God, valued what they brought to humanity, valued what they brought here to the earth. 
Think about this. I said this a couple months back. Think about this. He entrusted the entire gospel into a women's hands. Our whole gospel rests on the idea that he resurrected and the news of his resurrection he put solely in the hands of women. Not a trusted male advisor that he administered with for 20 years. He he handed it over to to ladies. I want you to leave here today. I'm going to finish with this one point. But I want you to leave here today, ladies and moms and grandmoms that are here today, I want you to leave here knowing how much value God has placed on you that he did through scripture, they did through the Old Testament, the New Testament, and he did through his son, how much value he placed on your life. And he hasn't just called you to raise children, although it's the greatest calling you can have. He hasn't just called you to raise children and then retire and then just be like, oh, I'm just going to go play cards or go golfing. That's wonderful. But he has given you so much inside of you that he's calling forth to, to bring to the present time for this hour and this place and this city. And I would hate to see you not participate because for some reason or another, you discounted what God's given you. It's the truth. Amen? Amen. I detest chauvinism. And I know I'm running out of time and I'm sorry. I detest chauvinism. I detest the idea. You know why? Because I've seen it in its ugliest form. And it only leads to a road of something that looks so disgusting from what God actually did. I was just in probably the most chauvinistic society you could ever imagine in the Middle East. I mean, terrible. The women are responsible to raise kids and to make sure there's food there. They're not in the, allowed in the same room as the men when they're talking. They, the, if they're in a room with men, the men all sit down. The women stand up in the corner and cower in fear. Even the wonderful Christian ones, families, this is what happens. One woman who is an Arab woman, she's a Muslim, she's a wonderful lady. Her husband's not a bad person, it's just their culture. The, the man decided that because she lost two children that were killed by ISIS, that, that she had two kids that were murdered by ISIS, she was in a depression, as you can imagine. And so he offered her up to the local Muslim witch doctor to be beat because they believed she had demons that were inside of her and she had no choice in the matter. He makes those decisions. So they beat her. They beat her to the point where she didn't walk for two months because she was depressed because she lost her kids to ISIS. I've seen what chauvinism is at its worst. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Men in this room, if you have a problem with ladies or your wives or, or, or other women around you fulfilling the destiny of God in your life, this is probably not the guy you want to sit under when he preaches. Silence. Do you see that? Because I believe that the only way we can see Jesus come and reach every inch of our city is if we lock arms, man and woman, together and we say we're going to watch each other's back and we're going to hold each other's hands and we're going to see the manifest presence of God come because there's some special anointings and gifts that women carry that we don't carry and we need one another. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say we need one another. And I, if you don't feel this way, I, I don't, I'm just joking. I'm not kicking you out of the church. But I'd love to have a more in-depth conversation with you. I'd love to show you through scripture. I don't believe in, in confrontation like that. I believe in learning. 
And so I'd love to step you step by step so you can understand. And the truth of the matter is we need to release the gifts and the anointings of the moms and the grandmothers in this house to reach our city and to reach the kids and reach those around them and to reach other moms and to reach our, those that are dying and broken on the side of the road. As silly as it sounds, the majority of the people that are running some of the most amazing programs that we have at Harvest House, the majority of them in the family haven part of it are all moms with children. We haven't done that on purpose. It's not like we're anti-hiring men. We've got men that are working for Harvest House, but somehow it's worked out that the candidates we've hired that seem to have brought the most qualifications and were willing to work within what we had to offer them were moms, and they've done a phenomenal job restoring the stories like you've heard with Christina when she was up here earlier. It's been moms that have loved her back to a place where she'd get her kids back. What if we told those moms, you go home and be with your kids? Now listen, my, my wife is a stay-at-home mom and she's she's feels called to it now and loves it and loves being with the kids. But I just believe that in the hearts of every mom and grandmother in this place, that there's something inside of you that your city needs, that your neighborhood needs, that your county needs. It doesn't mean working a full-time job necessarily, but give of yourself beyond even your current situation because we need you. And I'm gonna finish with this. This story of Jesus on the cross, he's standing there, he says, take care of my wife or my mother. And then what happens is, folks, you've never heard this before, I guarantee it. Maybe you have and maybe I'm just ignorant. They take a sponge and they dip it in sour wine. Sour wine is not good. You agree with me? Everyone's like, I've never had it before. I don't know what you're talking, wine? Nope. Now, I know some of you, at one point in your life, left a bottle out too long and didn't cork it or suck the air out of it or whatever they do, and you smelt it, and you're like, oh, let me just try Nope, no, no, we're not serving this. I know someone in this building has. It's not good. It smells and tastes like vinegar. And what I found interesting is, think about this. I'm just going to throw this out there, and then I'm going to leave you confused as you go home. You ready for this? The first miracle Jesus does... He produces the best wine to give to us because of his mother. And when he ends his life, he makes sure his mother's taken care of and then he takes the worst upon himself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you with me? And what I love about this, it doesn't just show the pattern of the way Jesus lived, where he gave us the best and he took the worst upon himself, but it also shows the pattern of motherhood. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pastor stands on fire, right? Think about that. He literally, as he takes care and makes sure his wife is taken care of, he shows what motherhood is about, which so many of you have lived your life where you've given the best to those around you and you've taken the worst upon yourself. You made sure your child had plenty of sleep that night when you only had two hours. You made sure your child's hair was cut and they went to the dentist when your teeth were rotting out and, and you couldn't get your hair done. I mean, the reality is so many of us have sacrificed the same 
same way that Jesus did. And he showed it at the very end when he started his ministry by turning water into wine, the best wine. And he ended his ministry here on earth by what? Taking the worst. Think about that. And so I, 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 want to, I wanted to just give you this as a tribute to what all of you have, have done as moms and as grandmothers in so many of our lives, and you've meant so much to us. And I just want to honor you on Mother's Day with these, this story of Jesus, that you be encouraged in who God's called you and created you to be. And we're going to end today with this, and we're going to do it quickly. Art, can you bring that up here? We're about 15 minutes over than where we normally are, but you guys are all right, right? Good. It's 1230. I like to end at 1215, but we're going to do this. Where's Gretchen at? Is Gretchen here? Gretchen, Gretchen. Oh, she's out of town. Gretchen is a grandmother who decided, I'm going to love my grandkids, but I'm going to do something else while I'm at it. And so she decided that these moms and dads who've gotten pregnant, the dads didn't get pregnant. That would be weird. But these, these teenage parents who have, who have, the moms that have gotten pregnant, who have chosen life, and have chosen to fight it out and to have their children and to still get their high school degree and to do the right thing. She's chosen to go into uh, Riverview High School here who has opened the door for her to go in and to love them in a beautiful, practical way by doing twice a year, we do a diaper party where we supply them with a bunch of the supplies they need, not just diapers, but, but all sorts of stuff to help them so they don't have to pay for that. And uh, I just think it's fitting on Mother's Day. I think it's in like two weeks when we do it that we raise the money we need. If you brought diapers and you left them in the lobby, that's fine. If you have a box of diapers in your cars, you can bring that in when we're done here. But I think it's fitting on Mother's Day that we give you an opportunity to honor mom for all the diapers she's changed for you or grandma or whoever changed your diapers that you honor her today by helping us do this diaper party for these teen moms. I think there's like 30 or 40 of them that we go in and help. And so we actually, this is the plan. We don't just want to do this party and celebrate them and help them. We actually want to create a supply. Jim teaches there for Dr. Kathy. We want to raise more money than we did last year, Jim, so that we can actually give her a supply that she can draw on between now and the next diaper party. So if she has a mom in need, she doesn't have to figure out a way to try to get them what they need. She's going to go to the supply of diapers and wipes and all the things moms need that Harvest has provided and left there for her in the school. How cool is that? And so we usually need about $1,000 to do this thing. I'm going to raise $1,500 between the two services to leave $500 worth of supplies there that she can help whoever she needs to between now and the next diaper party. And so before we leave today, will you do that? Will you honor your mom or your grandmother, whoever took care of you, and help us do that? If you can, if you can help us today, um, just go ahead and bring your, we don't usually do three offerings. This just happened to be a coincidence, but yeah, yeah, well, thank you. But you can bring it up here. There's no pressure, but we'd love for you to do that and honor mom today and help us do that and raise the money. And if you want to give in the back with the, the, the giving kiosk, just put it in the outreach category, the outreach. And we'll know that today that's what it's for. Come on up and do that. And then we're going to pray and leave. Thank you guys. Thanks. This means a lot to these girls.
just want to tell these girls they made the right decision by choosing life. Do you agree with me? <laughs> Thank you. This is the third check you've written today. And not one of them was approved by me. I guess I got, I got to live this whole thing out, right? That's right. She's a mom. She can do it. Amen. Let's, can we just stand to our feet? We're going to pray together. Let's just bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for our moms, our grandmoms, those that mothered us, whether they were biological or not, that loved us, God, that we became their own. God, we bless them today. God, we thank you for what you've showed us in this story. We thank you that you've shown us the value of the gifts you've put in the hearts of moms and grandmas here today. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you've showed us how the greatest example of faith that we can show our own children, our own grandchildren, is by entrusting them to you. And God, I'm so grateful that at the end of your life, once again, before you left this earth, you showed us what it looked like to, Lord, put others first and take the worst on your life. You gave us the purest picture of motherhood. Thank you for our moms and our grandmas today. Let us celebrate them today like we've never celebrated them before. Let us honor them and pour blessings on them. And let us encourage them and stand behind them as they fulfill the calling as moms and grandmas and sisters and, and loved ones. God, let them, let them feel the support and encouragement from their family knowing that we stand behind their dreams and we stand behind the, the destiny and the plan for their life that you've given them. So Lord, we just, we just release them to your hands, God. We release them to fulfill what you've called them to do in this city, God, in their neighborhoods, in the schools, God. And we thank you for your anointing and your love and your peace and your mercy and your words here this morning. Thank you for those that gave both to missions, God, and, and to what we're doing in the schools, Lord. Thank you for an awesome morning of just generosity and love and an opportunity to learn from you. And so, Lord, I ask that you bless your people as they leave here. Let them have a great time with family and friends. And, Lord, bring us back here this Wednesday night, God, encouraged and ready to hear from you again. In Jesus' name. And everyone says... Once again, we want to tell you happy Mother's Day. And as you leave here, uh, we want to make sure you moms don't lift a finger today, okay? Don't let your moms lift a finger. We love you.